Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in His gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. Good morning, good morning. How's everyone doing? Still morning. Still time for breakfast. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Good. Great to be here together. My name is Joe. I have the gift of serving downtown Hope as lead pastor uh, with an incredible team. And uh, we're just week after week so grateful and humbled to gather together in this space. And this morning, as David mentioned, we're continuing our series uh, called Estuary. Uh, As David mentioned, we have a vision as a church that we are a community being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know some of you are here who have been following him for many years. Uh, Some of you who are here for hearing his message for the first time, we're grateful you're here. This is a great place to ask questions. But we are a community, first and foremost, that are being changed by Jesus. That's our heart. That's our prayer. That's what we were singing. We just want Jesus. We want more of him in our lives. Um, We are a totally imperfect community of people. Uh, Anybody with me on that? And yet, the Lord's work in in our lives, Um, and we believe that he brings us together, not just for our sake, sake of our city and our world, and we're going to even be talking more about that this morning. This series, Estuary, is really all about equipping us, encouraging us of what it would look like for each of us as individuals and as teams or in our groups and our community groups uh, to live with a clear sense of mission of where Jesus is calling us. And as we're going to find out this morning, that looks a lot different for a lot of, for different people in different contexts. Uh, so you can open with me to Matthew chapter 28. Um, we're going to dive in. Uh, if you don't have a booklet, you can raise your hand real quick and we can get you a booklet here. Uh, we're going to be looking at it today. Um, bring your booklets back next week. Um, we have... Is, where's Andrea? Maybe she's... Uh, could you hand... Uh, Todd, could you get us a couple... Bo- or Jed could help out. Thanks. Yeah, keep your hands raised so we can get you a booklet there. Handful of folks here. I see those hands. Keep them raised. <laughs> um, and uh, and uh, so two weeks ago, we talked about the story of God. Uh, last week, we, Jacob did a wonderful job. We talked about we are his. So out of the resurrection, Jesus brings together this uh, this community of people called the church. And this morning, um, we're going to talk about um, what it means for this church. I gotcha. What, what it means for this church. That might be somebody else's booklet. So if there's notes in it, you can just add them on there and we'll... Oh, it's mine. Make notes right in it. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, what it means to be the church unfurled here. So let me read our passage and uh, we'll dive in. You guys ready to roll? This is going to be a little bit more practical this morning, so we're moving out of just theory world and into hopefully what will be lots of good, deep, challenging formation for all of us, myself included. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And this is God's word. Let's pray. 
Father, as we open up your precious word, um, we're thankful that you meet us here uh, in worship through song. We thank you that you meet us here um, in the conversations we have with one another. We thank you meet us, that you meet us here in confession and assurance and at the table, Lord, and through the truth of your word. And we're asking that your Holy Spirit would illuminate truth. And I pray for each person in this room. Um, you know why you've brought them here this morning. It's, it's not arbitrary. You have a purpose for each of us here. You want to speak to us. We believe that. And we're asking that you would just do that. Um, so we welcome you, uh, the power of your spirit through the truth of your word to change lives. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. A few weeks ago, actually a couple months back, um, it was a Saturday afternoon, and uh, we were about to go somewhere all as a family, and Katie said to me, hey, Joey, go get uh, one of our sons. He's not here right now. And I said, oh, where is he? She said, oh, he's down the street at a friend's house. So um, went down to that house to find him and knocked on the door, and no one answered. So that was kind of strange, and I'm thinking, huh, okay, well, maybe he's somewhere else. So I walk home, and we kind of send out the rest of the kids around the neighborhood to look in all the usual places for him. Um, and they all go out, and they come back, and like, no one can find him. Like, oh, that's really strange. Now we're about like seven, ten minutes from us not really knowing where he is. And, you know, like as a dad, you're, you know, your heartbeat starts to go up a little bit, and you're like, I, I hope he's okay. So we send out everybody again, and like, okay, double check, because, you know, maybe he's just playing somewhere else, and, and we, could, we could not find him. And I'm thinking to myself, I, I'm starting to get really concerned now, and I'm like, this isn't good because I don't know, he's supposed to be at this house, but they're not here, and where could he be, and he's not anywhere where he usually is, and so, you know, we're about 15 minutes into this thing, and I'm like, I, I probably need to call the police here because I, I don't want to take a risk. I don't know where he could be. So we're like, when was the last time we saw him? A couple hours ago. Like, okay, that's really not good. And so we're, we're just wondering where he is. And the love I have for my son, the love my wife and I have for our son in that moment just got so real. It just got, it just came to the surface, and we're like, in that moment, we will do anything to track him down. We will do anything to find him. Now, thankfully, in a perfect sort of uh, alignment of miscommunications, I'll just put it that way, he ended up going out with that family, and we ended up tracking down their number and finding out he was okay. Thank God. But in that moment, we are just absolutely, completely concerned, overwhelmed, burdened, our son is missing. Our son is lost. Our son is lost, and we, we find him. We have to find him. There's a story that, parable that Jesus told in Luke 15. You may be familiar with it, and it has resonance. My story has resonance with this. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors and he says to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. 
Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. In the wake of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, a new community is formed. You might say a new humanity is formed, a new human community of a people who have been completely, their world has been turned upside down and revolutionized by this Jesus, the Messiah. And the question for this morning, and the question really we're asking through this entire sermon series, is what is the purpose of this new human community? What is the purpose of this new human community? What what is this community about in the world? And we know foundationally we exist in Christ to glorify Him. And one of the ways that we most glorify our Father in heaven is when we join His mission in the world. Where we join His mission in the world. And we find this in some incredibly clear points in the New Testament. And this passage, Matthew 28, is one of them. Jesus first declares in verse 18 that all authority is his, okay, that the work of salvation has been complete, that everything under heaven and everything under earth is under his wonderful, loving power and authority, and that we as his followers, that his followers are secure in that love and secure in that authority, And what that breeds in us, it was what we were singing earlier, it's what Jacob said last week, it's what I said week one, is that it all flows out of the person and the work and the life of Jesus, out of him. Because everything I'm going to talk about from here on out and for the rest of this message, it's going to feel like workspace legalism, and it's going to feel like I just have to do more stuff if you don't first get the gospel. The heart of Jesus is that you are found to be forgiven, loved, and free through the blood of the cross and through the power of the resurrection, and it is out of that deep, profound resource that we are found in him, that we then get to come under his awesome authority, see the world, and we get to look out into the neighborhood, as it were, and we get to see the people in our lives that maybe we just go by every day with our heads down and we're not even considering them, and he illuminates their faces to us, and he lets us see what he sees, and he lets our hearts break for what his heart breaks for, and what Jesus does is he sends us into the world. There is a movement in the narrative of Scripture, and it's the movement of a God who is ascending God. He sends his nation in Genesis 12, Abram, to be a blessing to the world. It's a foretaste. It's a picture of what he will ultimately bring forth through his church in the New Testament. And he sends us as his followers into the world. It's a big question. What is the purpose of the church? To glorify God. And one of the ways we glorify him most is when we join in the thing that is on his heart, which is to go into the world and make disciples of the nations. Now, I want to jump out of Matthew 28, and I want to go right into Luke chapter 10, which is where one place where Jesus says, gives us a really clear pathway, a few really clear steps as to what this could look like in our lives, your life, and my follower of Jesus. Okay, you with me? So turn with me. I hear pages turning. Good. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10, and I just want to go through these very practical, talk through them a little bit, steps of what it looks like for us as followers of Jesus to be sent into the world to form disciples. Because maybe you're here and you're like, I've been doing that my whole life. 
Maybe you're here and you're like, I've never done that before and I'm completely freaked out by it, okay? It's probably both kinds of people in the room. That's good. What Jesus lays out in Luke chapter 10 is so concrete and so clear, and we're going to talk through it here. What does it look like for you and me to become a disciple who forms disciples in the world? Okay, you with me here? All on the same page? Okay. Now, this is incredibly descriptive. So, as I'm going through this, you are not here passive. You're not here as a consumer. You're here activated. You need to use your imagination. The Spirit of God will give you imagination to think through as we're going through these things. What, how does this translate into your life as a student, as a parent, as an employee, as a neighbor, as a friend, as a family member? We'll trust the Lord will use His Word here to give you the marching orders. That's part of this series, is that we believe that Jesus wants to empower the people of His church in greater ways to join His world. So Luke chapter 10, I guess I should probably turn there myself. The context, the background, is Jesus is sending out 72 of his followers into the world. This is why it's such a beautiful template. It's why it's such a beautiful uh, descriptor of how he sends us. Verse 1, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. I want you to consider writing these down in your notes, in your book, uh, the estuary book, wherever it is. Let's get activated here, okay? First observation, to become a disciple maker, to be sent by Jesus, the first thing is you have to hear from Jesus. Duh! Okay? You have to hear the shepherd's voice. And we find it right here with these 72. The Lord appointed 72, and he sent them on ahead of them. Okay? So he has a clear directive on where he's sending them. And where is he sending them? This is so freeing and so encouraging. He's sending them to the towns and the places where he himself is about to go. The foundation of what it means to be a follower of Jesus in the world is that Jesus is already at work ahead of time. He's ahead of you. He's way ahead of you. <laughs> He's light years ahead of you and me. We think we know. He knows. And so we job is to hear him, to seek his voice, to allow him to bring the people to mind, the places to mind. Where is the person who's lost in your life? Where is the person who's struggling in your life? Where is the person who's wandering in your life? Let him bring that person to mind. Let him bring that place to mind. Let him impress upon your heart a desire and a passion and a restlessness that you cannot go on living your life as is while this injustice is going on, while this is happening in this person's life, while this is going on in the world. Do you allow your heart to break? Is your heart breaking for something? I mean, can we wake up to that? It is the heart of God, it is the heart of Jesus that he would want your heart to break for something that is on his heart. Who is that person? Where is that place? He's going to send you ahead of where he's already going, or where he's already working in somebody's life. They're already open. He's sovereign. He's Lord. He's stirring them already. He's stirring that place. He's stirring those people already. We then just are his instruments to go. And how do we go? Second observation, verse 1, we go together. He sends them out in twos, two by twos, okay? Team is so vital. If you try to go at this alone, I mean, you are banging on the gates of hell, 
And it is a hard, lonely, challenging place to be. You have to have brothers and sisters with you. You have to have a team with you. You have to be together. In the context of our church, this is what our community groups are. This is what our teams are. This is what, when, you know, I love the picture. Kara and May together get a vision, hear from the Lord. They find a need. They're then being obedient to Christ, and they're creating space for this dinner that who knows what the Lord's going to do this through this, but they're doing it together. The Lord's already gone ahead of them, but here they are being sent out together as a little team. Are you part of a team? Do you even know where you're called? And if so, are you part of a team? In this season, our community groups were thinking and we're praying, do we have a scattered mission? Maybe it's a, a group of people that come together to do the practices that Jacob talked about last week, and then we're set out into different places in the community group where the Bible study becomes the place where we're encouraged, okay? This evening, we're starting to train, uh, we're training new young life leaders for across the county. We're so excited about that. It's a team. There's already teams that exist at South River. There's already teams that exist in North County at Severna Park and Broadneck, okay? Teams, leaders together, seeing and hearing the call of Jesus. It's students for them. It's a beautiful call, okay? I think about Jason and Mackenzie who live in Congressional Heights in Washington, D.C. They live in the neighborhood. They've banded with a handful of believers in their neighborhood. They're like, believe that Jesus is calling us to reach this neighborhood. They meet as a church. They meet as a, a little house church gathering every Friday night. And we as a team are behind them. We're saying, look, we want to equip you, train you, encourage you for that. Okay? It could be the simplest thing. I think about Sarah. I'm going to put her out here, but she's, you know, she has this incredible gift of, of hair, cutting people's hair. And, and she said, she called a few months back. She said, Joey, hey, I want to set up a time where I could uh, do hair for people who maybe don't have the resources to get a really great haircut as they're going to interviews for work because that's a big deal, right? Amazing. She's thinking creatively. What is her gift? How does it connect with the mission of God in some way, shape, or form? She's part of a community group. That community group is the space that can encourage her. How's that going? What's the next step? What's Jesus calling you to? It's the body of Christ empowered as a group of teams seeing a vision for where he's calling us. That could happen in your workplace. In fact, this is probably one of the main places it happens. A woman said to me the, uh, last week, she said, man, I work for this company, and I work for uh, the two people in the company, their brother and sister, and they're really starting to ask questions about Jesus. I'm so glad Jesus has sent me into this workplace to be there available to proclaim and speak of Jesus in this space. It's beautiful. We hear from him. He sends us together in teams, and then he asks us to do the most interesting in verse 2. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few, therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. You would think Jesus would say, hey, I'm sending you into the harvest, pray for the harvest. And it's not that we're not supposed to do that, but he actually says, pray ahead of time that the Lord would actually raise up local leaders in that town, in that neighborhood, in that context. So we're actually called to make disciples who make disciples. We're to walk with people who are going to be walking with people. So when we go into a new neighborhood or a new place or in our neighborhood, we're not just saying, how can we reach the neighborhood in the name of Jesus? But we're actually saying, who might Jesus have in the neighborhood to be raised up? Who will be a local leader there who can carry that work of Jesus on long after we're gone? It's a multiplying, reproducing discipleship uh, leadership model that Jesus builds right into this pattern in Luke chapter 10. So we go in prayer for leaders. And then in verse 3, we find the next thing here. 
Go on your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. What does this mean? Let me tell you what it means, part of what it means. When you step out to follow Jesus and his call on your life, when you form a team and you say, we're after this, we're after this person, we, they are lost, this boss, this place has things that need tended to, we are going to go. When you do that, there is a cost to it. Like, it's going to cost, it will cost, it has cost Kara and May something to do what they're doing. At the very least, it's going to cost them time. It's time they could have been watching Netflix. It's time they could have been doing something else. It's going to cost them time. It's probably going to cost them relationships in some way, shape, or form. When you step out under the Lord's authority, it is under His authority, and so we have nothing to be afraid of, but there will be suffering and hardship to come. We've seen it over and over again over the years here. I'm looking in your eyes. You know it. I know those of you who have stepped out this way. And there's a cost to this. It's a beautiful cost. It's worth every point of pain. There's nothing worth more than serving our King. There's nothing of greater value than hearing His voice, being found in Him, counting the cost, and stepping out to where He has called us to. But it will cost you something. It will be painful. And that's what Jesus is preparing them for here. He's saying, I'm sending you out as a sheep among the wolves. There will be attacks. There will be hardship. But his authority is what we live under. And so we're safe, even just places. As hard as it gets, we are loved by him and securing him. And we have nothing to fear. What do we do when we go? Verse 5. Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. This is so simple and so straightforward. And, 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 and the core of what we do as we are sent into the world. What are we doing? We're seeking the peace. We're seeking the shalom. We're seeking the well-being of a particular place or people. This could be your workplace. It could be your neighborhood. It could be a circle of relationships. It could be your family. Where is he sending you? I don't know. But what are we called to do? We're called to seek the peace of that place and that neighborhood. This is, as Jesus calls us to pray, the kingdom of God breaking into a certain person or a certain place. We pray that God's kingdom would come to earth even as it is in heaven. That's his peace. That's his shalom breaking into the world. As we go to seek the peace or the shalom of a city or a person or a place, wherever that might be, what are we to do? And we find it a little bit further down in verse 9. And by the way, this week in these estuary books, there's all kinds of really helpful workbook material for you as an individual and for us as different groups and teams in this church to identify where is he sending us. And again, it's, gonna, it's, it's not one size fits all. There's going to be a range and a diversity of what that looks like for each of us. But as we go to seek the peace, how do we seek the peace of a place or among a people? It's really pretty genius and pretty straightforward. Jesus says in verse 9, heal the sick. In this context, in this place, that's what he was calling his disciples to do. Literally to go and pray over people that they would be miraculously healed. In your context, in your place, in your situation, what are we looking for? Where are the points of brokenness? Where is healing needed? 
Where are the places that uh, Jesus is sending you to where there are gaps in the world, gaps in the ecosystem, gaps in the relationships, okay? Um, think about your workplace, okay? There's two employees. They're having a conflict. Does, has anybody ever experienced that in workplace? Yeah? Okay. Have you ever been part of the conflict too, right? Okay. We can just be honest about that as well. But there's a conflict at work, okay? As a follower of Jesus, if, if we're, 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 we're sent here, we're seeking the peace of this workplace, and we're saying, okay, there's a conflict between two people. Do we step into that? Absolutely. Is our approach to make peace out of that situation? Absolutely. We only maybe have certain abilities or, or certain uh, confinements to do that, but we're praying for that. We're seeking that. We want to see the businesses that we're part of and that we're starting, that we're leading, flourish in the fullness of what they are. I was talking with someone earlier. They're studying architecture. I mean, architecture is such a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful image. It's a reflection of the gospel. What are we doing when, when, we're, when we're designing buildings, oh my goodness, think about the implications of this. What are you doing when, when you're in, in health work? I mean, that one's really obvious, isn't it? What are you doing when you're, when you're putting in data into spreadsheets? That one's a little bit more tricky. I've heard people over the years say, I don't feel like I do anything with my life. I just put numbers in spreadsheets all day. Oh, that is a profound point of worship. That's a profound place of mission. If you would allow the Lord to speak to you and think about it in that way. What are you doing? You're bringing order to the world. Who else brings order to the world? What are you mimicking? Your Father in heaven. You see, do you see what I'm trying to challenge you with here? What I'm saying is what we talk about in spaces like this have deep implications for the things that you do in your everyday life. What are you doing as a mom raising your children or a dad raising your children? What are you doing when you cut your grass? What are you doing when you have a conversation with your neighbor? See, all of these places become a profound environment, a profound place where God, His Spirit, wants to break in and further His kingdom and His shalom and His peace in the world. And so we go into these places and we're saying, Lord, where is the need? How can I meet the need? How often do you think about that going into work each new day? How often do you think about that in your neighborhood? May the Lord give us greater imagination to see what he sees. But as we meet needs tangibly, this is pop-up pantries starting up through the pandemic. These are different teams getting started on the ground. This is Kristen starting a legal clinic um, to walk alongside of Hispanic families who, are, who have legal right to gain citizenship but have no outlet to do that. She's creating an environment and a space for, her to, for them to do that. It has deep implications for the gospel of grace. But we don't just go and do good works. We do. We start by meeting needs, but we also go to speak the gospel, to speak of Jesus. In verse 9 here, he says, Heal the sick and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near you. This is another way of, of, of Jesus encouraging us and telling us to speak the reality of what's happening here. We're not just doing this to be good people. We're not just doing this because, you know, uh, it's the right thing to do. We're doing this because we've been wrapped up into a much greater story. And we ourselves were lost and broken and running far from God. He came to our rescue. He saved us. And we get to speak and tell the world about that message and what we're up to and why we're doing what we're doing. And again, in this book, there's really concrete equipping for you to identify, how, to, to go over, how did Jesus come to your rescue? What is your story? And that becomes an opportunity for you to share with people, 
Okay, you know, there's not, there's, there are many models for this. There's many evangelism models, but, but you have to think creatively about how to do this. How do you share the gospel with people in your world in this day and age that you know in many ways are going to be resistant to the message? Okay, one way to think about is actually by sharing of your own brokenness. Let me tell you the story that I'm wrapped up in. Let me tell you about how... <laughs> How, how much I struggle in my marriage or with my children or in my job. And let me just tell you about how Jesus is beating me and he's changing me and he's working in my life. Can we talk about that? Are you interested in hearing more about that? There's ways to share the gospel that the Lord would open up people's hearts. And then lastly, verse 10 as we go, but whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go on to. It's streets and say, even the dust on your, even the dust of your tents to our feet, we wipe off against you. I mean, th- these are some of the hard words of Jesus, right? Jesus doesn't always just have soft, fuzzy words. These are hard. This is a hard teaching. But what is his point? His point is, if there's somebody who's in your life and they're just totally closed off and they're not open, don't try to kick open that door. It's just, it just creates more problems and it's just annoying. <laughs> okay, don't be that person who says, I love Jesus, and then you're just trying with all of your own manipulative force and strength to convince somebody of something that they're not ready to be convinced of. What can you do? You can serve them faithfully. You can pray for them quietly. But just let the Lord do the work in a person's life. It's not on your shoulders. You are not here, and I'm not here to save the world. God has done that, and he's doing that. (laughs) We get to freely, under his incredible love and authority, go and be part of what he's doing. And that's incredible news for us. So, how do we make disciples of the nations? Well, Luke 10, 2, these principles we walk through are the patterns, okay? Think about what that looks like in your life. Maybe one of these stuck out to you this morning. Process that in your groups. Are you part of a group? If you're not, let us help you form one or let us help you connect in one. Okay? That's our heart. That's our desire. That's our prayer. I want to close by reading a quote from a friend of mine who um, is doing some church planting in Tampa. And I love, um, I love what he says. His name is Brian Sanders. And I think it, it has um, correlation with what we're praying and what we're thinking about as we're, as we're thinking about the church, the people of Jesus unfurled into the world. Uh, he says, when people listen to their calling... Niche ministries emerge, reaching into gaps we didn't even know were there. I think that's just in itself a pretty cool observation. I mean, if, you know, me and David and our elder team get in a room and we say, here are the next five programs for the next five years now, all of you fit into that and just, you know, be worker bees and, 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 and just, you know, execute accordingly. Don't get me wrong, a lot of us are called to execute and we need to just be team members, we're not all team leaders, but, you know, how much, boring, how much more boring is that? Not only boring, but how much are we going to miss what the Spirit of God might want to do broader in our community and in our church? Rather, if, if you hear the call from Jesus and you step out, we want to support you and encourage you, and as Ephesians 4 chapter says, equip you in that work. Okay, he goes on. The result is a missionary engagement that far exceeds anything uh, a central ministry could execute. Consider what is gained through this approach. The leaders are almost always indigenous, which is really important and so much of what we're equipped to. 
How much more powerful is it if the local leader is the leader and not the outside person, the outsider? The ministry ideas are creative and in many cases utterly original. The approach affords at least the possibility of total penetration because the God who sees all things, inhabits all places, and loves all people without prejudice or ignorance is the one doing the sending. To allow people access to this kind of empowerment is to unleash an almost unleadable room full of people. Can I just read that again? That should make you giggle a little bit, okay? To allow people access to this kind of empowerment is to unleash an almost unleadable room full of people. Can you guys become unleadable for us, please? Is that... Todd clapped for that. Is that possible? I mean, I, I, listen, I, I know I'm pushing here, and I want to push us hard. You are not... You are not a consumer. When you came into the new life in Christ, he did not call you to sit in a comfortable chair Sunday after Sunday and grow increasingly passive, full of Bible knowledge, and incredibly weak in character and action. He called you in him to join his movement in the world. He called you in him with all the creativity and all the vision to go into that neighborhood and find that lost son. He called you to see the people in your life and in your world who are screaming out for grace and crying out for help. And his heart is to reach them. And he's called you, and there's no backup. And there's beautiful freedom in that, not pressure, because he has called you, and you're the person who he's put there. And therefore, be at ease, because he's going to give you what you need. He's going to empower you. He's going to encourage you. He's going to strengthen you. And you have a team. You have a big team here, and people of Downtown Hope. And you have a couple of team members with you, a brother or sister with you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we look out to this estuary environment, this volatile landscape, we read your words in Matthew 28 as you commissioned your disciples, and we read a clear pathway of what that looks like in Luke chapter 10 as you sent out your 72 disciples. And Lord, we're saying we want in. And we don't know what that looks like for each of us. It's a different kind of step. But we thank you for laying out through the truth of your word a pathway. And through the power of your spirit, we want to step into that. I pray for each of my brothers and sisters in this room that in this next season, Lord, you would impress upon their hearts. You would give them vision for where you are sending them. You know the people and their lives that you've gone ahead and you're working in their lives already. You want to bring them, usher them into the new life in Christ. And Lord, we are not worthy. We are so deeply sinners through and through. And yet, we have been found. We have been found by you. And so may the foundness of our hearts be the fuel that sends us 
to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Mindful of him.